2: this is my theory everyone has like this one thing or more things that they do just to get by and those are like the things that i'm really interested in like what is the thing that you do day to day that helps you just stay committed creative happy vibrant like those that that is what i consider advice
3: Welcome back to Working. I'm your host, June Thomas.
2: And I'm your other host, Zach Rosen.
3: That's right. We're breaking format this week. Instead of our usual interview, I invited friend of the show, Zach Rosen, to share some of the amazing creative advice that he's heard from guests on his wonderful podcast, The Best Advice Show. Zach, tell us a bit about your show.
2: Well, first of all, June, thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to be a friend of a great show that I love. So it's an honor to be here. Um, Thank you. But my show. Yeah. So the best advice show, I had been thinking about it and, and planning it before COVID. But then I ended up launching it like a month into the pandemic um, in April of 2020. Mm-hmm. And that was a time when we had all just started hibernating. And our daily commutes were out the window for those of us who did drive. Um and so everything was so irregular and unstructured, and my show just became something that, because it's so short, it's mm-hmm. like three to five minutes. Usually, it became something that you could listen to, you know, while you're folding like a half a basket of laundry or <laughs> doing a couple dishes. And like I fell so far behind on my you know long form podcasts yes. um, in the past year, and I wanted to give people a chance to get something substantive without you know needing to um, spend too much time doing it. And it's really simple. The concept is I talk to a different person every episode, and they give me one piece of advice, like I'm pretty rigid about that. um, Because a lot of people um, could give me an hour's worth of advice. But it's like, No, I want to hear one thing. We'll talk about it for a couple minutes. And then you can be on your way. So that was the kind of seed of the idea.
3: Well, I, I really love the show and I, I really appreciate that it's short. I'm not one of these people who wants every podcast to be short. Sometimes I want to just settle in and listen to like an almost endless conversation. There are some shows, you know, they they could never stop recording and I, I would listen to every word. And But I also like, you know, I want variety. I want variety of lengths. Um, and I really appreciate that they're very focused. You are going to learn something on the show. And I also appreciate how many different kinds of people you ask for advice of. Um, you, you also put out a call to listeners uh, for their advice. So it's very democratic. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think there's something like it's kind of flattering isn't really the right word because flattering sounds like you don't mean it, like it's not sincere. But I, I believe your request for advice is very sincere and asking anybody to you know to share some thoughts to share some insights, it really is showing them that you value their their opinions that you value their advice, uh, and I get a lot from it every time I listen so uh, all all props to the best advice show
2: Thank you. This is my theory. Everyone has at least one solid jewel of advice, <laughs> and like you know in in my um the best case scenario for me is like eventually everyone that speaks English could yeah. be on this show. Yeah. Well, maybe I could even get a translator, Yeah. but like, you know, a- anyone is welcome because everyone has like this one thing or more things that they do just to get by. Yeah. And those are like the things that I'm really interested in. Like, what is the thing that you do day to day that helps you just stay, you know, committed, mm-hmm, creative, mm-hmm. happy, vibrant. Mm-hmm. Like those, that, that is what I consider advice.
3: Yeah. That's amazing. So, Later on the show, you'll be playing some snippets from uh, creative advice that you have gotten over the years on your show. Um, Mm -hmm. But Slate Plus listeners will also get to hear a special treat, which is some creative advice from Zach. Listeners, you really don't want to miss that. Fortunately, it's incredibly easy to subscribe to Slate+. Plus. You'll get exclusive members-only content, zero ads on any Slate podcast, full access to articles on Slate.com without hitting a paywall, bonus episodes of shows like One Year and Big Mood, Little Mood with Daniel M. Lavery, and you'll be supporting the work we do here on Working. It's only $1 for the first month. To sign up, go to Slate.com slash Working Plus.
4: Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
3: Okay, Zach, three times a week, you share one piece of actionable advice that comes from the mind and life of an interesting and often successful person. I noticed a few themes in the snippets that you've kindly agreed to share with working listeners. The first is what I guess you could call, like, getting down to it. You know, how you move from thinking, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh, I'd like to write a poem, so to actually doing it. Well, actually, a few people had some words of wisdom about what to choose to put creative energy into.
2: Yes. This first piece of advice comes from Matt Berninger. He's the singer and songwriter from the band The National. Um, And he says that the most important thing at least when he's starting a new song it's like the seeds
4: have to be exciting if the seeds of the, of the idea the first you know aren't exciting then in in your, in your planting it in soil that's rocky and you don't not in the mood to do it it's like you're not going to want to you're not going to run and raise that tree you're not going to want to you're not going to want to like go back to it you're not going to keep watering this idea that you weren't even sure if the seed was you don't even want to eat that plant Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's poisonous or something. And so I, I, I find just like go back, find new seeds and go find a new place to plant them. And and, and then you'll be excited about raising that tree and that plant and, and pruning it and doing the craft part of it and selling it, taking it to market, you know?
3: Wow. I feel like plant-based advice. That's really <laughs> very hip. So organic. Yeah, organic. You know, like a lot of the best advice that... Kind of seems obvious, but I suspect that almost every human has taken wrong turns, you know, about what they choose to put their energy into. You know, you start on a path and something that feels like momentum kind of makes it hard to question if you're on the right path. You don't want to lose your focus. You don't want to have to take a step back on the career ladder if you, you know, move off the path. Um, Basically, you don't want to admit you're wrong, but you really have to.
2: Yeah. And I think it'll save you time and energy in the long yeah, run if you can sure. like figure out if and when you're wrong. Yeah. Um, and this idea of, you know, taking a step back or, you know, kind of falling off the the career ladder, it reminds me of some advice I got from a career coach. Mm. Her name is Megan Hellerer. Um, actually, AOC Ooh. is a former client of hers. <laughs> wow. um, like AOC before she was a congresswoman when she was a bartender went and and worked and worked with Megan. Um and Megan says this really helpful thing about how we can frame our career paths or creative paths. It's this dichotomy she's set up between destinational thinking and directional thinking.
5: The old way of doing things, the sort of like boomer way of doing things has been destinational thinking. So destinational thinking is the stuff of 10-year linear plans. You choose a destination you figure out, you reverse engineer your path to that thing, usually based on what other people have done. Um, and you put your head down and you focus and you don't get distracted and you make it happen.
0: Right. And you most work
5: your way us, toward
2: the thing. You get the promotion, your mindset on being a manager and you start as an intern and you climb the ladder linearly.
5: Exactly. And the problem with that is that it assumes that the world and us are fixed. So that assumes that the ladder that you're climbing is going to still be the exact same ladder that you are climbing now when you're, whatever, 65 or whatever the destinational place is that you're trying to get to. It also assumes that you aren't going to have any changing desires or interests during that time, that whatever is interesting to you when you make that plan is going to be the thing that is interesting to you for that entire time. So it doesn't allow us any room for growth. We want to have directional thinking, which means you start, You the only thing you're responsible for, the only thing you need to know is which direction you're heading to. The best way I can articulate this is an EL Doctoro quote, which is, um, it's like driving in a car at night. You can only see as far as the headlights in front of you, but you can make the whole trip that way.
2: Right? So it's like, You don't have to have this master plan or or ultimate goal, which sometimes I feel like we feel pressure to have, you know, as, as working people or artists, it's like, you don't need to know where you're going to end up. Megan just says, if we can, you know, take these incremental steps, we'll probably end up in the right place because, you know, each of these steps, we just have to figure out like, if we're going, if we're honoring our curiosity, really, Mm -hmm. like you you, you work on a new project and it's like, kind of like what Matt said, like. Are, is this exciting do you want to like yeah. jump in the air for this or are you not feeling it and if you're not feeling it like we'll go in a direction where you will be feeling excited or curious about it um yeah. and that question what am i curious about like it's simple in a way but also it might be hard to think about it might be overwhelming um yeah. because you might be curious about like so many things right
3: yeah. You know, one thing that I've done when I've wanted to find like, okay, when you have that opportunity where you're like, okay, I can do anything. I can pick any topic. What do I want to t-? I'll look at my bookshelves and what I have a lot of books about mm. because like... That was something I must have been, you know, just curious about in a big way because I kept yes. buying more. I kept reading more and buying more. Uh, do you Do any of your uh, advice givers have any advice about narrowing down curiosity though?
2: Yes, actually, um, I talked to Gretchen Rubin, who is mm. she's a famous podcaster and author. Um Her podcast is called Happier. And she seems like this kind of fully realized like happiness guru. Um, but that wasn't always her path. And actually before she became this author and podcaster, she was she trained as a lawyer. She clerked for Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. Whoa. Well, um like that's like she she yeah. was like at the highest level yes, of, of yes. law. But she came to this realization about how that world made her feel. And in retrospect, she's found that a very helpful question that we can ask ourselves when we are trying to figure out what we're curious about or figure out what our path is we can all ask ourselves this right now whom do i envy
3: oh now envy is a it's, it's a very unpleasant emotion we often don't want to admit to ourselves or to other people that we do feel envy but it's a very helpful emotion because what it's showing us is that somebody has something that we wish we had for ourselves and that's a very very useful thing to know And in my case, um, I remember reading, you know how you get those alumni magazines from your college? And I was reading about all the different people in my class. And I noticed that some people had really interesting law jobs. And I I was like, oh, that sounds great. And then some people had really interesting writing jobs. And I was sick with envy. And I thought, well, I should learn something from that because those are the people that I envy. They are the ones that have something that I wish that I had myself. That was amazing. Fantastic advice. Focus on the envy that just eats you up. Don't waste the green monster on the person who got the last umbrella in a rainstorm. Like, that's, that's just, you know, penny ante stuff. Keep it for the folks who just make you want to spit. That's amazing advice.
2: 100%. Um, can I ask you, I'm really curious, who are the people you envied as a, as a young writer?
3: Oh, that's actually a very easy question for me to answer from when I was a a young person, and it was Jeanette Winterson. We come from similar backgrounds, at least class-wise, and the part of Britain that we grew up in-wise, though I did not have the religious upbringing that she wrote about so compellingly in her earlier books, especially Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit. Hmm. Of course, she has an amazing way with sentences, but mostly... When I think back on it, it was her confidence that I was captured by. That was the element that she had that I felt I lacked. Mm-hmm. I tried to learn from her attitude. Uh, and I, I think actually, you know, that like being more confident, it seems like it's not something you can kind of will yourself into. But I think if you kind of think of some examples of... uh people who just seem so confident like you you can kind of study them and and maybe a little bit will rub off on you okay so once you figured out what it is that you're passionate about and curious about how do you proceed phil rosenthal shared a tit with you about that who's phil rosenthal
2: he is the creator of everybody loves raymond
3: oh that little show
2: yeah just a tiny little indie um Mm. (laughs) uh yeah so like one of the most successful sitcoms ever and he's also now perhaps better known or, or more contemporarily known as um, the host of Somebody Feed Phil on Netflix, mm-hmm. which is like a delightful food show. It's like, if you, we can't travel because of COVID, but we can watch that <laughs> show and kind of get a little bit of that itch scratched. Yeah. And so Phil told me...
4: The best single piece of advice I ever got was from an old showrunner named Ed Weinberger, who I asked for advice from when I was writing the pilot for Raymond. And he said this, do the show you want to do because in the end, they're going to cancel you anyway. It, it's a way of life, not just about the sitcom. We all get canceled one day, so live your life.
2: And what's the alternative? What's the, what's the flip side of, of that advice? Not making the show you want to make. What, what happens to you then?
4: You take all the notes from the studio and, and then you're dead anyway because you took probably because you took their notes and they made it terrible but they don't take the, the blame for that they blame you sorry you're either way you're out of luck most things don't get on the air right most things don't so they're going to cancel you anyway if you're not going to get on why do what d- they want
2: how do you think that that advice applies to to folks that don't make tv
4: once you're in a position where you can call the shots a little bit right where you you You've already worked on other people's things. You've worked for other people.
3: If you were opening
4: a store and it was finally your store and you'd saved up enough money, right? Would you take advice from everybody on what should be in that store? You might listen to everyone, but at the end of the day, you put in that store what you want to put in that store, what you want to sell in that store. If you're making sandwiches, you're going to make the sandwich the way you think it should be made, not the way that guy thinks it could be made, unless you agree that that's better. But if you don't think it's better, why would you listen to that guy?
3: It's your store. It's your sandwich. Okay. That is really great advice. Actually, very practical. But only once you've established yourself, like once you have the money to open the... Yeah, true. Once you have the money to open your dream store, as he kind of sketched it out. But when you're still at the stage of your career, when you're depending on people to give you a chance to prove yourself, it can be really hard to manage Mm -hmm. your emotional investment in that process. Chelsea DeVantes had some good guidance for that. Who's she?
2: Chelsea is a prolific writer and filmmaker. And most recently, she's the new head writer on the Jon Stewart Apple Plus show. Um, Oh,
3: my. Wow. Yeah.
2: That's like, again, like from Phil Rosenthal to this, it's like these are very um, successful people. Like, how can I relate to them? But, um, you know, up until recently, like, I think I can't speak for her, but it seemed like she doesn't know like necessarily where her next job was coming from Mm. Um, Mm. because working in art and creativity, it's so tenuous when it comes to, to landing jobs and projects and some stuff goes through and some stuff doesn't. And so Chelsea thinks it's important to...
1: Line up another project when you're midway through your current project. So if you get like your dream show and you're going to pitch it, now line up your dream feature. And before you can hear the answer to one of them, you've already put so much momentum into the second one that you can never hit the ground completely because the momentum of the next project is already holding you up.
2: Yeah, so you're saving yourself from that like awful deflation devastation moment when they say we're not picking up your show and now you're nothing because that you had all your eggs in that basket so you're you're spreading out your eggs
1: you're spreading out your eggs and you're also it's like when you get that devastating news you have like a net which is like well i'm still working on this other thing so i can't fall too hard because i've pulled yeah i've 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 held up some of my emotions with the other
3: Oh, man, that really speaks to me. Like so many creative projects require you to do like really deep work and make yourself vulnerable all while you're aware that you might do all that work and expose yourself and still not Mm -hmm. get to take the next step. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's very wise counsel, even though it is kind of playing games with yourself, like playing games with yourself can be like. That can be a really smart thing to do.
2: Yeah, you got to have to trick yourself.
3: Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have more advice from Zach Rosen and The Best Advice Show after this break. This episode
6: is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: Okay, we're back with Zach Rosen and the Best Advice Show. Okay, now let's hear some ideas for when you found your passion and your work seems to be improving. So much so that you look back on your old stuff and... You get embarrassed.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like anyone I talk to is so embarrassed about their early work. Is that is that true for you?
3: Uh, fortunately, it's it can be hard to find. Uh, I'm I'm in the pre online <laughs> era, but I I, I think of <laughs> so that all the time. Oh my god, yeah. So I I feel I think about that all the time for for you know contemporary writers and contemporary artists whose uh, whose who's everything is available.
2: Yeah, and um, Hanif Abdurraqib who is a poet and a journalist, and now he hosts like 400 podcasts. (laughs) Um, He's incredible. And he has some advice that honestly I think about, if not every day, several times a week. I see people talking about this idea of growth, and it has to be paired with a disdain for the work that one created before they grew. And I think a way that I've avoided that is by understanding that I did the best I could with what tools I had, and because I wrote that book, I was able to grow and write something else. Um, sure, you might hate your first poem, but because of that poem, you were able
6: to write better poems. You did what you could with the tools that you had, and then you got new tools. And I think that's kind of a freeing a freeing experience,
2: or at least it feels like a freeing experience to me.
3: Oh, hear, hear. You, to keep doing whatever our creative work is, we have to feel that we're getting better at it. But that doesn't mean we have to hate what came first. I love exactly, Hanis. Exactly. Yeah, I love Hanis' concept of appreciating it as necessary preparation.
2: hmm And I think there's some related advice here where, you know, it doesn't matter if you're trying to be a professional artist or just trying to be creative. Um, yeah you know, with, with no audience, which is completely righteous and valid, too. Um, and I think this next piece of advice from a writer and teacher, her name is Holly Wren Spalding. she talks about how it doesn't matter how long this period of time is, but it's very important for any of us who are embarking on creative work to create our own autonomous zone.
1: In other words, to have free spaces in your life, free of other people, free of the profit motive, you know, the, the pressure to be earning a living during that time, free of interruption, free of social media, free of duties and obligations that, you know, impinge on, for one thing, the imagination. And the way in which this is practiced in my life most diligently is in the morning hours, which, from 7 to 10 a.m. I treat as sacrosanct. There's no appointments, no email, no social media, no interaction with family members. That's my writing time.
2: Do you think for people that don't have a creative practice, there's value in creating these autonomous zones?
1: Absolutely. And that's why I think it is, at its core to me, it's about a couple of different things. It's a. It is about practicing being free. Like, who am I, and what do I care about when I'm not sort of being, um, you know, sort of bounced from obligation to obligation or duty to duty. My life is not free of those things. Yours isn't. They exist. I think of this time as helping me be more well resourced for when I do have to go engage with the drudgery or make a living or whatever it is. But the this idea that we can get to know ourselves in that in that free space have a secret life like a life that doesn't belong to anyone else that we don't easily give up and that's a big deal i think
2: yeah i feel like creating your own autonomous zone might be one of the kindest things you can do for yourself
3: yeah it's a nice way do you do that do you have
2: your own autonomous zone
3: i try to but i often fail um I'm trying to do that on weekends, uh, because that's when I work on my own project rather than my employers, but it's hard. Um, you know, not in my case, you know, I don't have kids. I don't really have kind of caregiving responsibilities. Um, but it's, there's always something, right? We don't get enough time with our partners, uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or our kids and our friends or all those things. So closing yourself off from those really important people and really important relationships, Mm -hmm. um, is hard, uh. Because And and I don't think that that's a bad thing. I don't think that's uh, kind of downgrading your creative work. Like, that's a real balance to find. Um, You don't want to just go into a cave. Uh, That's not actually good for you or your work. So it's just a kind of a, yeah, it's all about finding balance, I think. Yeah, yeah. All right. Our last bit of advice comes from writer Heather Radke. And it is deep. What did Heather tell you?
2: Yeah, I think similar to the Hanif advice about being kind to ourselves about our old work, this is another thing that I think about a lot. And the advice is, I mean, on its face, it's simple. But I think once you you get into it, 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 it's pretty dense and um, powerful. And the advice is, investigate your shame.
0: Because I feel like that, as an artist, as a writer it's been a very fruitful part of my practice. I've done it in a number of different ways. And then I also just feel like as a person, when you start to really get curious about why you're ashamed of something, you end up finding out so much more than you could have ever expected. And in this case, you know, and I think in a lot of cases, you end up finding really interesting political material, you know, that the shame around a certain kind of body is a shame around race and gender. And, gendered ideas of bodies and racialized ideas of bodies that we kind of hold in ourselves without ever knowing it because it doesn't it you almost you know the nature of shame is that you almost don't want to bring it into your consciousness fully so that means that there's a lot you kind of don't understand about it and you don't experience you know you don't you don't like unless you really think about it and you really try to unpack it then you don't fully understand what's kind of creating the shame in the first place.
3: Wow. Yes, yes. On a recent episode of Working, I spoke with Charlie Jane Anders about her book of writing advice, which is called Never Say You Can't Survive. It's a really great book. It's absolutely cram-jammed with practical suggestions. But the one that really stuck with me was that writers need to find their characters' pain points and really explore them. Not to be mean to your imaginary friends, but because the unpleasant things we tend to avoid are full of interesting, surprising, challenging emotions. Like, that's where a lot of good stuff is.
2: 100%. Um, You know, relatedly, I think about something that this um, kind of legendary radio producer from Canada, Neil Sandel, said at a at a conference I was at. This has got to be over 10 years ago. It was at the Third Coast International Audio Festival. But I can remember the, the moment so well. I was sitting, I think I was sitting in the front row. And when he said this thing about, similar to to what Charlie Jane Anders said, but he, he phrased it as find the tender parts of a person's life. When we're, I mean, I'm an interviewer. And so, you know, in interviews, like figure out what is tender to someone, figure out, what are the things that they might have never said out loud before? And once you can, once you can get into that, it's like, that's, that's what I wanna hear. That's the interesting stuff. Wow,
3: yes. Yeah, oh God, that's, that's amazing. Zach, thank you so much for bringing all these wonderfully life-changing bits of advice to our show. I'm sure it has left our listeners wondering where they can find more. So where can they find the best advice show?
2: Thank you so much for having me. This has been honestly such an honor and so fun. Um, you can get The Best Advice Show wherever you listen to working. It's on all the podcast players. I'm starting to upload episodes to YouTube because I understand that people listen to podcasts on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, get it there. You can also find us at bestadvice.show. Uh, I'm on Instagram more than I should be at Show. <laughs> and uh yeah three times a week really short episodes and I, I need to just say i want your advice call me at 844-935-BEST and you'll end up on the show
3: <laughs> do it people do it uh, june has thank- been on
2: june has been on the show i need to i, have. I need to put that in there
3: <laughs> i have i have been on the show uh, mm-hmm. uh although i don't know how how uh, life-changing my advice was but uh, nevertheless please, i love hey, being on the show
2: be kind about your. be kind about your past work june oh i will i will
3: thank you good point good point yeah (laughs) it was amazing (laughs) all right thank you to all the kind generous people who shared their wisdom with the best advice show and thanks to zach for his fabulous podcast but also for producing this episode of working we'll be back next week with a kind of regular show but for the moment get back to work